This episode of The Suzanne Benker Show is brought to you by Hair Saloon for Men. Hair Saloon is filling a void in American life that has as much to do with the restoration of men as it does with the business of haircutting. It's a place where men can be men, just like in the old days with the father-son trip to the barbershop. So head on over to hairsaloon.com. They have 18 locations in St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Boston, and Houston. Book online or through their mobile app. Again, that's hairsaloon.com. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Suzanne Benker Show, where we tell truths the culture won't. American men take a lot of heat these days for, well, for being men. Misogyny, male privilege, and the patriarchy are buzzwords that shut men down, so much so that many men have given up entirely. The assumption is that men have been privileged for too long and therefore must be silenced so women can speak. The very essence of masculinity has been targeted, called into question, and labeled as noxious to an enlightened society. But no one ever asks men what they think of it all. Men have a lot to say to women about sex, equality in the workplace, raising boys, and the lie of toxic masculinity. Unfortunately, they're silenced by the culture. This war on men has disrupted the male-female relationship. Still, anger, separation, and giving up are not the directions we need to go. Healing relationships and learning to respect the design purposes of masculinity and femininity are the only answers. And for that to happen, America needs to hear some hard truths. My next guest has authored a book that serves as a wake-up call for women to understand and appreciate the men in their lives, to value masculinity, and to heal relationships damaged by the culture. Denise McAllister is a cultural and political commentator and author of the forthcoming book, What Men Want to Say to Women But Can't. We'll talk with Denise about the lies our culture sells, and she'll offer insights into how to rebuild broken relationships in the workplace, at home, and in the bedroom. Denise McAllister, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming on. This is going to be fun. Um, you know, you and I are, we, we definitely speak the same language <laughs> and it's been fun Soldiers. to, yeah, seriously, it's been fun to keep up with you, although you're much more active on, on social media than I am for sure. But it's, it's good cause it helps me kind of, you know, keep up with what, with what you're doing. I wanted to sort of introduce this book and your mission. Well, I want you to do it, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to say that I I think this this show in particular is is going to be a little different from the others in that it's really honed in on on men and we will be saying some things that at face value will sound maybe not so much shocking but just something you're not used to hearing and I want to explain to people what the purpose really is behind this so that they kind of keep that in mind as we go along. Do you want to tell a little bit about, you know, this book that you wrote and what you're all about? Well, whenever I speak out in favor of masculinity or men in general or criticize feminism and some of the things that they say they stand for in the feminist these days, and when I say feminism, I mean modern feminism, the contemporary feminism that we have today, which is about equality of outcomes, not about equality. So whenever I criticize or I call out some of the craziness that that they have on social media or in the culture in general – I often hear men say, I am so glad you said that because I can't. And I I heard it so much that I decided to write a book <laughs> explaining why men have these sentiments, what they want to say to women, but can't without a lot of backlash. And 
you know, why women should listen to them and what are they trying to say to us and how did we get here? And what is it about women and our behavior and in this feminist culture that has caused men to have these things they want to say to us? but are silenced when they do want to express their thoughts on, on relationships and the culture and, and feminism in general. Great. So before we get into that, just to give people a flavor of your book, I'm going to read a little bit from, from page eight. It's, it's a little lengthy, but I think it's um, worth doing because I, I felt like it was the strongest paragraph for me anyway when I was reading that really um, it was very, very different from what people are used to hearing. You wrote... I've seen the worst of men and the best of men. I've seen men in moments of rage and moments of profound gentleness. I've seen them excited like little boys as they unlock the secrets of how something works. I've seen tears in their eyes at the loss of a beloved dog or while watching a film that blows across a raw wound left by an absent father. I've felt the pain of their emotional backlash and cowered beneath a heavy hand. I've felt the comfort of their grace as I lashed out in anger they did not deserve. I've witnessed their sacrifice in war and the faraway look in their eyes as they remember horrors I could never imagine. I've basked in the warm passion of a man's kiss and felt the strength of his body envelop mine. I've been chilled by a man's cold look in the face of betrayal and seen scars on their bodies taken for me. I've held them in my arms like a child and watched with delight as they held a child in their own. A man is a glory to behold, a power to respect, and a heart to treasure. And you know what I thought of when I read that is that that could really only be written by a wife and a mother of a son. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <That's- laughs> I mean, did that, you know, I don't think 20 years ago I would have felt that the way I, or 25 years ago, I would have felt that the way I feel it now as a wife and a mother of a son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, um, you know, you're talking there about the differences about all these different stages of of being a male, whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they're weak, whether they're strong, and how it's just this one glorious package. And we, I, I'm reading it. I read it because you just don't hear this. You don't read it. You don't hear it. And and we need to. So um, I wanted to to start with that. And then, unfortunately, from there, <laughs> move on to the culture, which just doesn't take that view and is, is very much um, – um, about a war on men and masculinity. And I'll, again, read one other uh, sentence you wrote here that kind of gets to the heart of that. The characteristics of manliness certainly change across cultures and time, but underlying these differences are basic similarities and universals that distinguish men from women. Man is protector, provider, procreator, and leader. And these universal archetypes are qualities of nature, not mere roles. So let's talk about that for a minute. Tell people why that's so important to understand, especially when being uh, hit with all this junk in the culture about about how horrible or toxic masculinity is. Well, I wrote the first paragraph that you read because um, I wanted to show the complexity of men as human beings. And we're in a society and a culture that reduces men and people in general to the smallest common denominator that they are and usually the worst quality that they are. 
And we need to understand if we're going to have relationships with one another, we need to understand the complexity of each other and the, the differences that we have and even the similarities. So, um, and then the idea of the culture, the, the war that we're, we're seeing against men um, and not understanding men is we've feminized them. In this, in this quest for equality that feminism has become, this equality of outcomes, uh, you know, when you want equality, it creates a competitive environment and women are finding that they don't compete in the same way or they don't win the competitions or they don't get the equity, they don't get the equality of outcomes and the gender parity that they want in society. And so what have they done? At first, they tried to be more and more like men. Uh, you'd hear about girl power and women, you know, being like men and, and doing all the things that men can do. You, you hear this a lot. But what you're starting to see more is making men more like women. And the reason is, is that women are not the same as men. Men, they, they can't compete with men in the same way and they can't have the same outcomes. There's not that sameness that they're lusting after um, in this modern feminist climate. And so they've reduced men and, um, to, and from who they are as they are designed to be and not respected that they are very different. They are designed as men. They have masculine universal qualities that are in all men expressed differently. We all can see that in culture and individuals, but there are core designs to men that we need in our culture. We need in our relationships. We need to respect and, and love in order to be a healthy society. And we've lost that in this, in this need to be the same. Yeah, and I think it's important to distinguish so people understand this difference between a quality of opportunity versus outcome. So it used to be that opportunity was what presumably feminists were after back in the day. And, and you know, there's some truth to that for sure. It's just that it very quickly uh, went off course. And, and today we have what – can you explain to people what you mean by a quality of outcome? Well, definitely, yeah. Well, we usually, when you think of equality, it's about equality before the law and the, and the equality of, of opportunities as in not having obstacles, discrimination put in a woman's way to um, be able to achieve anything that she wants to achieve without the obstacles being put in her way. Um, and that's what the original feminist fought for. And that's what we should be ever vigilant for. And that's not just as women and feminism, but human beings in general, if you want to live in a free society. What that what happened is that it changed from that goal to once they started to compete, when they once they started to get into the workplace and into the sphere of men, um, they wanted more and more of what the men had. And instead of competing and earning it with merit, uh, they failed in many ways, which is just human nature. I'm not putting anything down on women. I mean, when I compete with within women, I'm going to fail. We're, all, we're not equal. We're not the same. So we're going to have different outcomes. Uh, feminists weren't satisfied with that. They, they interpreted those inequalities of outcomes uh, as being some kind of prejudice and discrimination and sexism by the culture, some kind of ingrained and in, institutionalized uh, fem sexism that's in our culture. And so they have sought, seek to equalize the playing field. And when you do that, you are taking from some. This is just classic Marxism, if that sounds familiar to anyone. <laughs> and, and that's what we're seeing. And, and so that's 
So taking from men and talking about male privilege, you know, demanding that women have equal representation in jobs, all because of their sex and not because of, the, of their merit. This has degraded and eroded the relationships between men and women, it has fostered a lot of distrust and a lot of, uh, you know, resentment between the sexes. And I, I did want to say one other thing I, you know, when I was talking about the qualities of masculinity being innate and there's differences that you keep running up against, you know, in this in this culture. Um, it's not just a matter of roles. Too often on the right and left, and the right's really guilty of this, we think automatically of roles. Well, why can't a woman do this and why can't, you know, a woman do that? I want people to think more in terms not about what people are doing, but your purpose as a woman, as a, as a man, your design and your, what you do with that in your life flows out of that um, as an individual in, in, in how you live your life. So I, I think we have lost sight of our purpose and, and our respect for masculinity and femininity uh, in living out our purposes and our design nature. Well, of course, I couldn't agree more. I, I, what, what do you, what do you, um, do you find it frustrating to explain, or do you have an easy way of explaining to people who really want to hold on to the feminist label because they really believe it means just simply equal rights for women? Do you find yourself having to explain the whole equality of opportunity versus outcome to them? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing among women today you know, cultural commentators and political commentators. And I often have this discussion with women who are on my side, you know, in, our, in my tribe, if you will, um, of conservatism, of whether we should keep the feminist label um, or abandon it. You know, what do we do with the, with feminism? And I don't call myself a feminist because I, in America today, I, I think that we have achieved the equal rights. I know we've achieved mm-hmm. the equal rights that we should have under the Constitution. So um, I, I don't feel politically that I can represent myself as a feminist. But if you I understand people who say they want to be freedom feminists and continue the fight because there's always that threat in any society that that it will be eroded. I, I think it's just difficult because feminism has changed so much in that we have to call out uh, the, the distortion of it and the corruption of it for what it is. And that's pretty much what it is in culture today. It's not freedom feminism. You know, it's right. not this being vigilant for real rights. I think we should do that just as Americans. I don't think that really has anything to do with feminism these days. I think all of us should be vigilant about whether our rights are being uh, honored and they're, they're being attacked in many different ways. But we've got to understand the monster that feminism has become and it is, uh, you know, it's intersectionalism. It's about this outcome of equality. It's Marxist. And it's not at all the, the, about equality and freedom that it was. And we need to distinguish ourselves from the, the feminist and, uh, and make an argument against it and stand against it. I really do. I, I think Agreed. that I, and I do that by separating myself from the label altogether. Yeah. So I'm exactly the same. And it's always been frustrating for me who people, when people do want to hold on, people on our side, so to speak, or in our tribes who want to hold on to it because I get very frustrated trying to help, (laughs) not that I'm trying to help them see, but um, that people aren't able, the average person who's not as in the know on this particular topic is not going to be able to distinguish between the two. And I find myself constantly having to, to explain the difference as if anybody really needs to explain that, that yes, um, it's 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 good for people to think men and women are equal. I mean, I've never known anybody in my fifty-one years who doesn't believe that. So anyway, um, 
shifting gears a little bit to to men, back to men. So you've written about how modern feminism's androgyny has created an identity crisis for men. Can you, and that they've responded in in basically one of three ways. Can you explain what those are? Well, in relationship to women, this idea of this push for sameness, either by women becoming more masculine, which they have failed at because you can't nature. Nature always gets in the way of these ideologies, <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't um, it? So they can either try to be more masculine or they're trying to make men more feminine. So it, it's creating this conflict between two sexes that are supposed to be in harmony, that are supposed to complement each other and to work in unison. So when you're trying to be the same, you're either making yourself something that you're not, so women are having an identity crisis, or you're forcing men to be something that they're not, and they're having identity crisis. So how that plays out in relationships is men often don't know, you know, what do I say to you? How do you, how am I supposed to be? Uh, if, if I'm even remotely like wanting my boy, boys to wrestle or be a little tough, you know, on the kids uh, or take control in the home, that suddenly I have toxic masculinity. This has caused men to either bow to the feminist culture and kowtow to it and become a bunch of soy boys, you know, where they're just, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I, I Nothing disturbs me more mm-hmm. than for a man to say he's a, he's a feminist. Yeah. Uh, it, it just I, it makes me cringe. Yes. I just want to grab him and shake him and say, come on, where is your manliness? Come on, you need to shed this this kissing up to this Definitely. wrong ideology and be a man. Uh, but so you either have that, you have a whole, and I think the younger crowd is a very much, mm-hmm. you know, feminized. Uh, they've been raised by women. They've been, you know, indoctrinated by women. They've been educated by women. Uh, you know, there are so many broken homes. They're mostly raised by women. So we have a whole generation coming up that that's that is this um, become what the feminists want you to be, and and they're very proud of it. You know, there's just, there's some kind of noble cause there. Uh, then you have at the other extreme this small but growing, a very angry reactionary group of men who are like, forget it. I don't want to have anything to do with any women. I don't need them. I don't want them, especially in a romantic relationship. I'm going my own way. I'm keeping my stuff. I'm keeping my sovereignty. I'm going to say no to all of this stuff. And and what you have there is a very wounded masculinity. I, I understand their anger, but they're acting, they're becoming the mirror image of radical feminists who are reacting to men. And, you know, they actually have on their uh, site on one of the sites for these types of men is that men need women like a fish needs a bicycle, mm-hmm. which is the reverse of what mm-hmm. the radical feminist said, you know, with women need men like a fish mm-hmm. needs a bicycle. So, um, so you have this reactionary group, but then I think most men, well, a lot of men are in the first category. Of Cal <laughs> I, County I know it's feminist, yeah. <laughs> but you also have a, a bunch of men in the middle yeah. who are just, yeah. They're just like, I want to have a relationship with women. I love to do for for my wife or my girlfriend. I I, I love to give up. I I don't mind helping out. I've been great. I love women, you know, supporting women in the workplace. But come on, I I still I'm still a man and I want to be a man. I want to be able to hang out with my friends at the sports bar without having the chicks there. You know, I want to be able to say, you know, look at a woman and say, you know, you're really pretty and I think you're sexy and not have them think I want to rape them. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be able to go out on a date and kiss goodnight without being accused of rape, you know, and have this fear of what does it mean to be, what are the boundaries? They're just confused and they're angry 
and but yet it's kept inside so it's kind of percolating and those are the ones I hear from a lot and those are the men I really want to speak to and really want to champion um, is because they're very frustrated and I want to challenge the soy boys to, to really find their manhood again and not be caught up in this reconstructionism of masculinity and I want to challenge the guys who are going their own way that there is hope that there are women like Suzanne and me who who do not buy into the feminist the modern feminist perversion mm-hmm. of sexuality yeah I like the way you explained all that and those three groups of course I I know exactly which three groups you're talking about and um, I think most people listening probably do maybe not so much the the men going the own way because you'd have to kind of be doing what we do to know that about them but I hear from them a lot on Facebook it's very frustrating because it is just the reverse of of feminism but I, I agree with you I'm all about that that middle group so you mentioned uh, well it seems like a good spot to, to talk about the Kavanaugh hearings and me too because you just talked about being able to look at women without being you know I mean I mean, accused of rape. This has all happened so fast, right? In the last year or two, just you almost can't remember a time when, when it wasn't this bad with respect to that issue. Well, no, but it, it makes sense. This kind of Marxist ideology that's driving feminism now needs to be a victim. Mm-hmm. Need to be an oppressed group in order to gain power. And one of the problems that the feminist movement has very much tried to go in the same trajectory as the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and on to a lot of the same themes that go on with the black um, community. The problem is that women weren't slaves and there and also women do not act in a mass group the same way as the black community does. I talk about that later in the book too, about how why women don't get along, but um <laughs> So they need to they need to have this victimized to, to gain power and, and to demand the, this kind of equal outcomes and leveling of society. You have to you have to overthrow the privileged group. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the struggle. It's the Marxist struggle. And one of the best ways to do that is to heap guilt onto the privileged group and always make them the perpetrator and in becoming a victim and and mass like that is one of the best ways to do that. And what is the best way for women is that, you know, we're, you need to believe women, you know, women are basically all the victims of men um, raping them or sexual assault. And, and the problem is, is that there's truth to that. Of course, of course there rape goes on. Of course there's sexual assault, but not all men do it. And in fact, it's rare compared mm-hmm. to how many men there are in society. Uh, you know, and so it, it escalated quickly because the ideology has been escalating quickly. Yeah, it would be so much easier if that just never took place because then you could make the argument. But I always find it difficult because technically they're not saying anything wrong in terms of, yes, that exists. It's all about making it seem like the norm. And that's where the problem comes in. But you can't deny that it exists. So you always have to sort of qualify that. And it can be. I mean, it's kind of, you know, brilliant on their part, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Marxism. It's, it's, it's when you when you have something that you feminists have wrested moral authority away from any from men mm-hmm. and um, they don't men have no moral authority because they did violate that trust. They in the past men have individual men, um, just like the white community. And the black community was able to take and wrest moral authority away from them because we do have the guilt of um, of, of racism and you know sl- slavery in our history. The problem is is that Marxists like to freeze you 
in your guilt and spread it. So you're all you're guilty by association. You're everyone. Everything's group and identity politics and everything's group dynamics. So because some men and there have been sexism in the past and women had to overcome barriers in our society, men are always going to be stained with their that guilt. And it empowers the victimized group to keep that stain there. Because then you can manipulate them and then you can, you know, get what you want because you're like, no, you're guilty. You're guilty and you need to make it up to me. You don't have any authority anymore because you gave it up because of your violations in the past. It's a sad, twisted, but very effective method uh, of the Marxist struggle. And so archaic. It reminds me of the Salem witch trials, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's you know, <laughs> Satan loves to accuse and be the accuser, and he likes to get us all in groups. And it, it reminds me of the Red Terror, you know, this kind of you're guilty by association. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you just you're and you're going to be condemned no matter what. And you're not seen as individuals anymore. It, it's quite frightening. And this is also one of the reasons why I don't identify as a feminist. I really see what feminism has become is a, is a monster in our society. And it needs to be defeated, not played with. No question. No question. And of course, the frustrating part for for people like you and me who are happily married and who have sons is we know how unbelievably wrong the premise is about men, that they're so off base about who men are. They couldn't be more wrong. And so I imagine myself being a man and feeling like there's really no reason to even talk or say anything because you're so far away from the truth about what a man really is. So, for example, you you made this one statement in your book. You said men are designed to accomplish for others, not just for themselves, and they're content when gratitude is given. They're such simple creatures who want to do for others, but by doing what we do to them, we we stymie that, that natural process. And who they really are never gets understood at all because of this, what we're talking about. No, I mean, and one thing I want to show in my book with every page is is that celebration of masculinity and how wonderful men are. And when I say that, I'm not saying women aren't. Let's right, put that aside. Right, right. Let's just talk about men and how God designed these beautiful creatures for us to be in relationship with. Not to be the same as, not to compete with all the time, but to be in relationship with and to love and to, you know, and I'm, I mean, agape love, erotic love, you know, just right. mutual affection and society. It's the same thing. It's a relationship. And this is what's been lost. There's been this diabolical disruption, mm-hmm. the relationship between men and women in our society. And if we don't get it back, we're going to destroy ourselves. And women are not going to win in a battle against men. They're just no. not And I don't want to be in a battle against men because we are at our best when we're acting as we are designed in relationship to others as we're designed for the purpose of building up others, loving others, and, you know, being good and shining God's glory in this world and with one another. But if you're only looking at the other side suspiciously, they're always out to get something and always believe the woman men are suspect because they've let me down before in the past or in history they've let us down that's not the trust that you can build a relationship on and you don't see the other side as human beings anymore no. you know they're these just flat out cut out images of your own fear and oh, that's not that's what men great. are and we're, oh. we're losing just 
they're creative, they love to explore, they, they have deep hearts, you know, and minds, and they love to serve and fight and protect. I mean, when you, when you see a man doing that, and you see him at his best and his full masculinity, it takes your breath away. Yeah, no question. It I, is beautiful I, to it, behold. I know we're talking most what well, we have up till now about, you know, romantic relationships or marriage, but... Um, I want to switch gears just real quickly because I know in your book you talk about the workplace and how all this has affected men, well, men and women, but specifically men in the workplace. Do you want to speak to that for a moment? I think men are very frustrated in the workplace because what's happened is that women are demanding this kind of gender parity, equality of outcomes. You really see this in the workplace that I need to get hired the same as the men. I need to be in the same positions as the men. You hear from feminists all the time quoting equal pay, you know, which isn't really equal pay. It's women are making different choices. And so they don't overall make as much men, as money as men overall. And, you know, but Feminism expects this complete sameness. And so the merit and the competition is removed and entitlements and favoritism and is, is injected. And so it all becomes all about sex when women themselves are saying that they don't like sexism. But feminists have become the biggest sexist on the planet. <laughs> That's men, true. you know, men. They're there to compete, but yet they're, they're seeing their jobs being replaced by women who are less qualified if they do, if a man does earn a position, women are suspect of it because it must be there because you're a man. So it, again, no trust, disruption of relationships and hostility. And everyone goes to their corners and kind of looks at each other and, without trust. And then you also have women in the workplace unable to compete with other women in that same environment. And so men kind of stand on the sidelines watching this foray of women being vicious to each other. And they don't want to get in the middle of that, but it causes disruption. Mm -hmm. Male managers are trying to, you know, trying to get an office working and you've got your women bickering because they don't know how to compete with each other. And, you know, they have the men afraid to even deal with the women, you know, and you have sexual harassment. <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. And, uh, you know, so it's caused a lot of angst and anxiety and resentment again um, in that workplace relationship. And I think it's really important to, to maybe even wrap it up by saying the underpinning of all this, of course, is this belief that has been instilled specifically into women, but even in many men, that society and men owe women that they owe them, and that and for years and years of oppression, um, that isn't even that the whole, the whole premise of the argument is is flawed because that's not the way history was, but people have believed have you know bought that, and so there's this mindset when you're working with a man, whether it's in the office or in your relationship, that they somehow always owe you, you know, and that you're superior as a woman, and they need to come up to your level. And I think that as long as that's the premise, I mean, you're doomed. There's no way to have a healthy working relationship or romantic relationship if you view the opposite sex in that way. Well, men specifically. Right. It's always the struggle. And it's always chaos. And it's always tension. It's always conflict, right. which is opposite of what you can have in a free democratic society. Yep. And, and it's the very essence of that keeping male guilt going. You know, you're guilty your privilege, I've been marginalized. And therefore, even if I don't deserve it on the merit, I do deserve it existentially because you've hurt me. Right, right. And then just imagine that in a relationship and how hopeless that is. I mean, there's, there's just nowhere to go with that. 
No. And you can understand the men, you know, that small group that's like men going their own way. <laughs> well, I do. I do. I, I am sympathetic. I don't like their answer, but I, I'm sympathetic to it. I just don't agree with sympathetic. it. I do yeah. not like their answer, and I get very frustrated yeah. dealing with them. Uh, and But that's a whole yeah. other story. That is a whole other conversation. Be- frustration. <laughs> and, you know, it is that kind of that vying for for what men have and you know that struggle for power like you said Definitely. it's about power it's not about love no that's right we need to get back to love denise yes we do all righty this has been an awesome conversation i so appreciate your coming on where can people find out more about your work um they can follow me on twitter at McAllister den you want to spell that for people it's McAllister um, m-c-a-l-l-i-s-t-e-r-d-e-n All right, Denise, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Hope you can come back and see us or hear us or talk to us. However, you say that. Also out on pre orders um, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and it'll be out February 11th. Great. But you can go there and do your pre orders um, to get. To get the book. What Men Want to Say to Women But Can't is the title. Awesome. Okay, Denise, thanks so much. Talk to you again soon, I hope. Thank you. Love you. You too. Bye bye. My guest today was cultural and political commentator Denise McAllister, author of the upcoming book, What Men Want to Say to Women But Can't. Well, that wraps up another edition of The Suzanne Venker Show. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and please take two minutes to give us your review. And if you have a question or a comment you'd like to share with our listeners, go to Suzanne at the com. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, Hair Saloon for Men. They have 18 locations in St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Boston, Houston. Book online or through their mobile app. Again, that's hairsaloon.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Do you ever wonder what happened to courtship and find yourself longing to go out on a real date? Do you ask yourself why some marriages last and others fall apart? Is your marriage struggling despite your best efforts to keep it together? Women who win at love don't have a gift you don't have. What makes them unique is that they aren't at war with the men in their lives. Rather than take a competitive approach to relationships, as the culture teaches, they accept that men are men and that women are women. And that makes all the difference. Whether you're single and mapping out your life, or you're divorced or unhappily married, women who win at love will permanently alter the way you view men in marriage. You will learn the eight dating rules that lead to marriage, why super successful women struggle in love, what men want and what women want, hint, they're not the same, why love alone is not a reason to get married, how to avoid the green grass syndrome, and why acting like a man lands women in a ditch. Women Who Win at Love is an in-depth examination of modern dating and marriage and a wake-up call for women at every stage of life. So go to Amazon.com and type in Women Who Win at Love and get ready for your life to change.